You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome to the Hokie Hangover Podcast. I am Andrew Alex from ESPN Blacksburg. Alongside me, yes, the usual suspects. We have Mike McDaniel from Sports Illustrated. Mike, how are you? What's going on? And live from the 757, we got Ricky LeBlue. Ricky, what you doing, man? Big chilling, bro. Big chilling. I think we're all big chilling right now. And we're all tired of big chilling. But we're still uh, here. Well, I do not truly anticipate big chilling to end any time soon so hunker down i want a bowl man i know for those for those who don't know i'm a bowler i want a bowl i bowl in a couple leagues here and i'm tired of not being able to bowl man it's killing me are you in more than one league yeah i bowl mondays and tuesdays you you guys know this you guys know my schedule i just thought that that was one team I thought it was one, one team. League. Or one no, league. no, no. So it's it, it's two different leagues. Um, on Mondays, it's like a big money league. And Tuesdays, it's kind of more like a moderate. Uh, Mondays, it's four-man teams. And Tuesdays, it's trios. Uh, oh, nice, nice. All right. Well, back to the task at hand is talking about my personal life. I just cooked a really good meal of chicken parm, and I'm currently eating it. So we're learning things while in quarantine. I learned from my friend James, who has only uh, been cooking for two days, so he's an expert. But I haven't cooked <laughs> yet from at least from the food. So we're rocking, we're rolling. But just like we are locked in our houses, so too are the Virginia Tech football players, guys. Do we have any idea of, of what? Some of these guys, I mean, I know some of the players are in Blacksburg, some are on campus, but the facilities are closed down. They're not allowed to practice. Do we know what these guys are are able to do or are doing to get their workouts in during this offseason? Because for a young team, that first three years in the weight room is so crucial. And I feel like we're losing precious time. Yeah, they were supposed to be in the heat of spring football right now. And I saw that Coach Fuente put out a tweet yesterday. So he tweets every Let's call it two to three weeks conservatively. Um, every once in a while, he tweets. And it either means, A, we're getting a recruit, or B, he's wishing somebody a happy holiday, or C, like it's pertinent football information. Uh, this time, it was semi-pertinent football information. He mentioned that it was good to get the guys together over Zoom. So for those of you who don't know what Zoom is, who might not be in the workforce yet, Zoom is um, an online uh, meeting platform where everybody can just essentially call in and it's basically like Skype. Um, but yeah, it sounds like they're trying to get people together um, for team meetings and, and things of that nature. 
uh, through Skype to just try to connect with some of the guys while everybody is kind of hunkered down and in quarantine. Uh, it's a tough situation, and a lot of um, teams across college football, obviously all the teams across college football, are you know being influenced by this right now um, in, in a very negative way where there's not spring football, there's not spring practice, there's you know a lot of positions that are up in the air across college football and the ACC and Virginia Tech, which obviously we'll get into here in a second, but it's a tough situation for a lot of teams across the country to deal with right now, and Virginia Tech is no different, and it's clear that they're doing what they can right now to make sure that their players, number one, are eating right. Um, I saw that you know some of the coaches were tweeting out uh, this afternoon and over the last couple of days that they're checking in with their various position groups that they're responsible for, making sure everybody's eating right, not coming in too overweight. Um, once practices do resume and they are able to see each other here, maybe sometime this summer, um, that everybody is kind of keeping their mind and their body right. So it's a very tough situation across college football. Um, nothing unique to Virginia Tech. They're going to be dealing with it too. Um, but it was a pretty crucial offseason for Virginia Tech. And we talked about this on the last podcast. You know, the Hokies really needed this offseason considering the lowly ranked recruiting classes coming in and some of the turnover they've had both on the coaching staff and on the roster. Um, it, it was a really important offseason for them. And the fact that they're losing it is, is a tough situation to deal with, but they're coping with it the best they can by all indications. Now, guys, this lost time, this lost practice, I think certain players are going to be impacted by it more than others. Guys who have been in the program for two, three years, maybe not as much if they're familiar with one day's offense. Obviously, I think Virginia Tech as a whole, given the switch to Justin Hamilton at defensive coordinator, is maybe at a slight competitive disadvantage compared to guys that might be running the exact same defense as they did the previous year. Starting on the offensive side of the ball, let's just say the quarterback room. Ricky, which players do you think are most affected? Really, it's everyone not named Hen and Hooker. Um, I, I think not having spring practice may, basically makes Hendon the de facto starter if he wasn't already. Um, as If you've been listening to me this offseason, you know that I'm fully behind Hendon being the starter uh, going into week one. But for like Quincy and for Braxton uh, and even for for Knox Kadem, who some people may forget he's on the roster, those guys need this extra developmental time. And and you know, let, let's be fair, Hendon Hooker needs it too. Hooker has plenty of room to grow. Um, and later in the year, it, he definitely seemed like he regressed slightly. Now, some of that could be due to injury and some of it could be the defense is catching up to him. But all of these guys really need that extra developmental time, all those mental reps, all the physical reps, uh, the, the time in the weight room, the time with the training staff, all that stuff matters. And it matters especially for guys who haven't quite hit their ceiling. So if you are on Twitter, you probably saw the most recent video that Tech Football put out with Cornelson and Fuente talking about the quarterbacks. It was mostly – useless for people that are looking for information but you can listen to the word choice that they that they use and they talked about how you know Hendon Hooker has basically mastered the offense so for someone like Hendon he doesn't need as many mental reps and his physical reps in order to be comfortable with the offense that he's running now guys like Quincy and Braxton Burmeister those guys are still making that jump now they talked about how Quincy is starting to get to that same point that Hendon was at last year, 
But last year, Hendon had the spring session. Quincy doesn't have the spring session this year, and that's going to make a huge difference. So um, for me, the, the most impacted would be Quincy Patterson. Um, I, I think if there was any chance of Quincy overtaking Hendon for the starting role, it's basically gone now because all that extra time that is built into the practice schedule that Hendon would maybe have and use, or excuse me, Quincy would maybe have and use to surpass uh, Hendon on the depth chart. That time is now gone. Michael, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think the quarterback room is definitely impacted. Um, I think the running back room is impacted maybe even more. I know Ricky and I were talking about quarterbacks and running backs in particular um, and, and how you know, each position's impacted, but at the same time, you kind of know who the major players are going to be, right? Like, there are a number of guys who are really important that we already know about who are either transferring in and we know are going to play a significant role or have already been on the roster and we know what they're worth and we know they're going to play a role one way or another. The one guy who I who I want to point out in the quarterback room that I think this really affects even more than Quincy or Hennon Hooker is Braxton Burmeister. It's the third guy that Coach Cornelson and uh, Coach Fuente and they were talking about during the hard hat series uh, that Virginia Tech football was putting out on social media. Um, they talk about Braxton Burmeister being one of the most athletic players on the roster, right? And certainly the most athletic quarterback anyway. Um, that's Justin Fuente's words, not mine. Uh I think that Braxton Burmeister may have some sort of a role. Some of that might be coach speak, right? But I think he might have some sort of a role. Uh, but I think the level that he sees the field is now potentially reduced by the fact that they're not going to be able to kind of try him out in certain packages here in the spring. That doesn't mean that they can't work him in, obviously, if they get back to playing ball, God willing, in the summer um, or in the fall. You know, once we get to fall practices, they find a role for him there. I thought it was semi-significant that Justin Fuente said, okay, all three will play some sort of role. I think Hendon Hooker's the number one guy. I've always thought that. I think Quincy Patterson has always had some sort of package, um, either by the goal line or in certain running situations or a package of plays throughout the game in which he can make an impact. And we've seen that impact, of course, across the board. But I think the guy this really affects is Braxton Burmeister because I see Braxton Burmeister as a guy who's more likely to compete for the number two role than the number one role. Um, and I, I think not having these spring practices certainly impact that and his ability to kind of step in into maybe some of these packages that Quincy Patterson has, right? Um, being able to kind of, you know, put one foot in the door there and be able to kind of make some headway in the spring and show that, hey, maybe I'm worthy of getting some more reps. And even though Justin Fuente is saying on this marketing thing on social media, hey, they're all going to have a role. You know, some of that, too, is to make sure that none of these guys transfer out of the program. I mean, quarterback has become a position, a depth for Virginia Tech, and I think Justin Fuente wants to keep it that way. Does it not concern you, though, that, you know, there has been a lot of positive things said about Burmeister's ability from the inside and, you know, vocally by the coaching staff. Does it not worry you at all that Virginia Tech might be, I guess, not passing up because it's not their choice, but losing the opportunity to truly determine who the best quarterback on the roster is. I mean, I think Hendon is the best quarterback on the roster. He's got the most experience. Uh, I think he's the, the, the best blend of raw talent and, and intelligence and experience on the roster. I mean, Quincy didn't play awful last year, but Quincy was clearly limited in, in the time that he was on the field. I mean, Virginia Tech's offense against Notre Dame, though it was, 
I guess, somewhat effective given that it shortened the game and gave Virginia Tech a better chance to win. It was certainly not explosive, um, especially not through the air. And that was very, very clear throughout the entire season. At Oregon, Braxton Burmeister was bad, okay? Let's let's call it what it is. Burmeister was horrible at Oregon, okay? So Hendon Hooker has the best track record of the three quarterbacks. He has plenty of his own room to grow in terms of his own game. I don't think this spring keeps Virginia Tech from figuring out who their number one quarterback is because, remember, they saw Braxton Burmeister last year on the scout team. It's not like the coaches haven't seen him in the building yet. So for me, I don't think this really affects the number one job. I think what it does is it inhibits Quincy Patterson's ability to close the gap between Quincy and Hendon Hooker and I think it maybe stunts Quincy's development a bit because he's re- basically missing out on most of an offseason. Mike, now you look at the offensive line. Virginia Tech obviously sported one of the youngest, if not the youngest, starting offensive lines in Power 5. Obviously, these guys have experience. They probably have a very you know decent to good grasp of the playbook and the system at this point. But the sheer weight room stuff, you know, there's only so much you can do lifting weights at home. Does it does it worry you that Virginia Tech is going to be at a competitive disadvantage, not being able to get guys like Hudson and Nestor in the weight room every day? And like you said, on those college athletics meal plans, which are so well structured to make sure that these guys are eating right. Honestly, my bigger concern is how they incorporate these guys into the offensive line, um, not specifically for Hudson and Nestor, but for a guy like Brock Hoffman specifically, right? Like Hoffman's got all these expectations coming in and we've touched on this before here on this podcast, but you know, he hasn't been able to take live snaps here consistently with the first string offensive line. And those are valuable reps, even in the spring, like any sort of reps that you can get with your, your starting unit, either on offense or defense or special teams, even like those reps are all very valuable. And for a guy like Brock Hoffman, who, in my opinion, has the highest expectations of anybody on the offensive line in quite some time for Virginia Tech, that really hurts to not have that. And and do I think Hoffman will be ready to play? Yeah, I do. I mean, I, I think he was ready to play last year. He was obviously very good at Coastal Carolina. Um, he's a guy who I think has high expectations because people saw what he was able to do at Coastal. But for a guy who's trying to adjust to life in the ACC for the first time, I think every single rep that you receive in the offseason and spring ball, you know, throughout summer camp when you're able to work out with your teammates, throughout fall camp when you're trying to adjust before your first season at the ACC level, you know, I think those reps are valuable. So, even more so than guys like Hudson and Nestor, who I think you make up good points about, right? Like need that time to put on weight and be in the workout program for Virginia tech. I'm almost more concerned about Brock Hoffman and putting him into the starting lineup and just the chemistry that you have with your teammates, because Hoffman's got plenty of, of raw talent um, that, you know, as a two-star recruit, he was a little bit of a late bloomer. Uh, but obviously developed into a very good lineman at the FCS level before transferring to Virginia Tech. But, you know, he's a guy who I think could really use the reps as far as chemistry goes um, and and being able to kind of mesh with what's already present here on the offensive line for Virginia Tech. So 
it's not a skill thing for Hoffman. It's just more of a chemistry thing. And I think across the board, not only on the offensive line, but on other positions on the offense and the defense, that's what you're most concerned about missing out on in the spring. Looking out to the wide receiver groups, I don't think we're too worried about Trey Turner, but Ricky, is there any guy specifically on the roster that's really missing out on these reps? A lot. I mean, it's basically every single receiver not named Trey Turner. I mean, Tavion Robinson was a guy who was in a, in a bit of a gimmick role last year. Um, part of that's because of the guys that were ahead of him on the roster. But part of that, I think, is because he was still adapting to the receiver position. The guy played mostly quarterback in high school down here in Virginia Beach. So he's a guy who didn't have the 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 fine tuning when it comes to route running or didn't attack routes, you know, in a, in a cerebral fashion yet, because he's still learning the game there. So I think it's definitely going to affect him. You've got guys like Elijah Bowick and Jaden Payute and all of these young receivers are definitely going to be a, a bit behind the eight ball. And I think Jafar Williams and Brad Cornelson and Justin Fuente were really hoping this spring would be kind of a, 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 a an opening of, of the door a bit to try and figure out exactly what they have here, because there's just a lot of unknowns and it's really important that they get this figured out because remember as explosive and as talented as Trey Turner is, he has had some injury issues throughout his career. He had a severe shoulder injury in high school. He's had several nagging injuries here in college in his first two seasons. So he's a guy that even though he is highly, highly productive, he's someone who takes some shots and sometimes has to miss a game or two. And if he's not going to be on the field, Virginia Tech's passing game diminishes greatly unless some of these younger guys make a serious move and show that they can be consistent, explosive guys on the outside. And we just haven't seen that yet. And as it looks like, we're not going to see it this spring. Now, do you think that compared to their opponents, compared to Miami, Compared to a North Carolina, do you think Virginia Tech is at a lesser or greater competitive disadvantage by losing these practices? Just on the offensive side of the ball, I would say greater. Um, and the reason yeah. why, and the reason why I say greater is because of the level of attrition. Um, I'm not just talking about the roster where there was attrition at running back uh, with McLeese leaving, uh, where there was attrition at receiver with guys like Damon Hazelton leaving. Um, but, you know, you lose significant pieces of the coaching staff as well. And you have a lot of guys in their role for the first time at Virginia Tech. So obviously look at guys like Bill Tierlink on the defensive line um, as a coach coming in from the Buffalo Bills, um, having his first year um, with the program. You got Daryl Tapp, former Virginia Tech star, coming in to help coach the defense. It's his first year of the program. Charlie Wiles is out the door. You know, there are a lot of guys like just not on the roster um, from a player standpoint or coaching standpoint anymore. Zon Burden is another guy who's out the door as well. Um, so th- yeah, there's a lot of question marks, right? Um, and it's not just with the players, it's with the coaches. And then you couple that with the fact that Virginia Tech, you know, has some early enrollees that were hoping to participate this spring from a recruiting class that ranked last in the power five that aren't going to get those reps in the spring. Does it matter as much for this coming fall? No, but those are valuable missed reps. Uh, that you won't have from a depth perspective moving forward. Because I think it's fair to say that 
you know, out of the players who are coming in this fall, there's only maybe two or three guys that we could see right now having some sort of role on the field this fall. Um, Tyree Saunders on the offensive side, um, a couple guys on defense as well. Maybe um, the two defensive linemen now, Texas, obviously um, kind of highlight the recruiting class as a whole. So, I, I mean, I, I'm of the opinion that it does affect Virginia Tech probably as much, if not more than some of their counterparts in the ACC, at least in the Coastal Division. Yeah, and the, the main aspect of that is the recruiting portion because Miami recruits at a high level no matter who is the head coach. I mean, Miami could hire my my 16-year-old sister as head football coach, and she would recruit in the top 20 there every single season. Miami sells itself. Carolina, they've generally recruited pretty well, even though they had those down years under Fedora. They've obviously recruited well this year under Mac Brown. They have a bit more raw talent in the program, at least by all objective standards at this point, than Virginia Tech does. That's just the facts. So that talent, it's even though it's raw, it's still there. And for Virginia Tech, it's it, they're so focused on player development because Virginia Tech isn't the sexy program that missing this valuable practice time makes a huge difference for programs like this who are trying to exceed their ceiling and do more with less. Yeah, and, and I just want to jump in real quick. Um, we were talking about kind of guys who are affected defensively, and we hadn't really mentioned the defensive ends group yet. And Virginia Tech's kind of been searching for consistency and depth at defensive end. Taiwan Garbutt's been the standout at the position, but he's had a hard time staying healthy. So for two Texas guys I was just refer referring to, Robert Wooten and Alec Bryant, for them to come in and make an impact, you see that being a lot more likely if they're able to get those valuable reps in the spring, in the summer, in the fall, et cetera. Um, and, and guys who can come in, be a part of the weight program um, and train with the coaching staff and Ben Hilgart, right? And come in and make some sort of impact this fall on a rotational basis at defensive end where Virginia Tech, let's face it, they're pretty thin on the defensive line anyway. Um, and they're especially thin at defensive end. So you really wanted those types of guys in your program early and often. And then we talked about the receiver position, and there's really not a whole lot outside of Trey Turner that, in the way of experience, outside of Tavion Robinson, Caleb Smith, who have played a significant amount. But for a guy like Tyree Saunders, who's one of the more highly rated recruits in this recruiting class for Virginia Tech out of Jacksonville, Florida, to not be able to come in, um, he wasn't going to be enrolled in the spring anyway. He was the guy who was going to arrive this summer. But summer reps at this point are kind of up in the air with this ever-evolving coronavirus situation. So if you end up missing some time in the summer where you can be on campus with your teammates, being able to at least gel and have that chemistry in the weight room, I think all of this is significant. And it's not unlike any other program in college football to be facing this right now. But I think for Virginia Tech especially, there are some key positions that are uh, specifically affected the wide receiver group and, and the defensive end group uh, kind of being chief among them. What do you guys think? Obviously Virginia tech hasn't done a great job of recruiting within the state of Virginia. It's one of the most complained about things within the fan base. They've recently looked to stretch to Texas and, and, and obviously Florida as well. Do you think that this long break in the recruiting period when you're primarily recruiting outside of your school's region, do you think that has an outsized impact on Virginia Tech? Um, so Ricky and I have thrown this back and forth a little bit before the coronavirus situation hit about just specifically 
Virginia Tech recruiting outside the state of Virginia. And you just kind of go where the good players are, and it's important to recruit your state well. And we've talked about that extensively. But I think specifically in regards to coronavirus, the fact that it's just basically an extended dead period for recruiting right now, I think it could work one of two ways, right? So I think for some of the high-end in-state recruits that Virginia Tech has already hosted, um, like, for example, a Travion Henderson, who's one of the top running backs in the state, um, out of the Richmond area, who has already visited Virginia Tech, and now, you know, campus visits are essentially closed until further notice, right? I think for guys who wanted to recruit, who wanted to commit early, like a Travion Henderson, if they think that some of the schools that they've already visited might be a major player in their recruiting process, they might not wait to go visit the school down south, right? They might not wait to go visit the school out west um, if you're talking about big-time in-state recruits. So I think it could work one of two ways. It could work in Virginia Tech's favor, uh, potentially, with some of the recruits who have already been on campus that are more local um, to the state of Virginia. But I think Virginia Tech's at a disadvantage when they're trying to recruit guys out of California and they're trying to recruit guys out of Texas and get those types of guys on campus who might want to commit early. Um, not being able to get them in the door on an official visit, I think that's impacted, especially if these guys want to make an early decision. And a lot of these guys do. They want to know where they're going six, seven, eight, nine months in advance now. And so I think it can work one of two ways, depending on the geography and obviously with any, any type of recruit, just the individual situation. What do you think, Ricky? I mean, I'm not really sure where or how Virginia Tech is going to be affected by this extended dead period. Um, there's just so many unknowns. And the recruiting cycle, especially nowadays, already has enough unknowns where you're not really sure how a kid's recruitment is going to play out. It may seem like it's locked in six months before signing day and then a month before signing day. Everything hits the fan and you have no idea where he's going. You've got coaches that are. I'm not saying anyone at Virginia Tech has done this, um, but it certainly wouldn't shock me if you've got coaches that are pulling offers for kids because they've got better recruits that want to come in or the scholarship numbers change or all these sorts of things. Happens everywhere. It does. It does. It's not It's not exclusive to Blacksburg, but um, I think we're just – we're too far out in this process to know how this is going to shake out and to know, I mean, how it's going to affect Virginia tech. I mean, tech's recruiting class now could look drastically and probably will look drastically different uh, come December. And it could even look drastically different come September. I mean, there's just no way of knowing. And with this extended dead period, I mean, yeah, it's just, it, it, I don't know. It's almost like it's frozen everything. But once this dead period ends, there's going to be such a, a massive uptick in activities and recruiting and players are going to change their minds. They're, they're going to be caught in the middle of a whirlwind and they're not going to be sure exactly how to handle it. And I think we're just going to have to wait and, and let this play out because we don't even know when coaches are going to be able to hit the road again. We don't know when campuses are going to open up. We don't know when these kids are going to feel comfortable leaving their their residences and their area, their local areas. 
I mean, th- there are just so many things, and I really think you're going to see a lot of volatility in the recruiting cycle this year, even more so than normal. And it, it's not like it, it's been stagnant, right? I mean, the, the level of volatility can increases every single year. It would not shock me if we get to a point in November, December, and then after the early signing period, where you've got players going to and fro and to and fro and back and forth and left and right and front ways and sideways, going all these different schools, taking visits, canceling visits, decommitting, committing. It's just going to get out of hand. Mike, I know you touched on the defensive line a little bit and the impact that the lack of spring practice will have on that very young position. Ricky, what are your thoughts on that group? Yeah, I mean, there's just there are so many guys that Virginia Tech was is or is relying on to make that or take that next step and grow into being a reliable contributor. And right now, those guys aren't getting that process. I mean, Zion DeBose is entering his fourth year in the program, and it seems like he's battled inconsistencies and injuries, and he's somebody that would really benefit from this added spring practice session and. He's not going to get it. I mean, you've got plenty of other guys in here. Eli Adams, Josh Fuga. These are two guys that um, haven't really made an impact yet. Obviously, Josh Fuga just came off a red shirt year. So you have to wonder um, how much he was able to take advantage of that. I mean, Mario Kendricks was a guy we saw a little bit, um, but not someone who was a huge contributor last year. Norell Pollard was the one that really made a big impact last year as a true freshman, but He's another guy that would benefit from this extra spring practice. Um, All of these guys are going to be affected. Even a guy like Jalen Griffin, who kind of grew into a a third defensive end rotational role at the end of last season. He's got some talent, but he, he obviously would benefit from extra spring practices, and none of these guys are getting that. So you take a unit that really lacks that superstar potential or that explosiveness Uh, off the edge or up the middle and you're hurting the depth of that group by not giving them the spring practices. It's going to make Bill Tierlink and Daryl Tapp's job a bit harder. Now look, look, Bill, Bill Tierlink's an NFL guy. Daryl Tapp seems to know what he's doing on the recruiting trail and obviously played at the NFL at a pretty high level. I mean, the guy played in what eight or nine seasons in the league. That's pretty damn impressive. So they've got some good coaches here in the room, but, these coaches need to be able to work with these guys on the field. And right now they're just not getting that opportunity. Mike, you look at the linebacker group, obviously between Hollyfield and Ashby, a lot of experience coming back in with that group. Do you think that if there's any position that I, I don't want to say can afford to lose the spring practice, but is less impacted, would you say it's that linebacker group or do you disagree? Well, I, I think the linebacker group has, you know, obviously some major contributors returning. We talked about Dax and Ashby, but also a guy like Keyshawn Artis, who's played a, a pretty significant role as well. Um, Alan and Tisdale. Alan Tisdale. Yeah, yeah, Alan Tisdale. So, I mean, they have four pretty solid linebackers that they rotate in um, who are all more than capable and have displayed as such. And um, Amari Barno, when he's been in the game, you know, he's been able to contribute as well. So I do think linebacker is a pretty deep group for Virginia Tech. Obviously, I think the secondary is pretty deep, and I think a lot of the guys that um, were used to contributing, like Caleb Farley, like Armani Chapman, for example, uh, as well, we weren't sure that they were going to 
get a whole lot of reps this spring anyway due to kind of injury issues and um, some offseason maintenance, right? Um, Minor surgeries and things of that nature. So, you know, I think from the back seven of the defense was less of a concern for me than the front four for Virginia Tech. And I think if you wanted to point to one group where you can say, okay, you know, that group, by all means, like if we're going to miss practices, this is the group that you don't expect too much of a drop off with. I think it would be linebacker and we'll get into defensive backs in a second, but there's still, you know, there's some injury issues there. There's some guys you need to replace like Reggie Floyd guys stepping into new roles there on that side of the ball. Does divine Diablo stay healthy? Does Devin Hunter emerge in a new role um, for Reggie Floyd? And can he develop into um, a player that a lot of people were expecting him to be when he came out of high school and was this highly touted recruit. So there are questions in the back end um, from, from a secondary perspective, but less so than the defensive line, if that makes sense. The defensive line is the area where I think we all kind of had our eyes on as Ricky alluded to. You talked to, you just mentioned Devin Hunter. And I think that's someone that is being expected to make a jump this year with the now absence of Reggie Floyd. Ricky, is there anyone else Talk about Hunter a little bit. And is there anyone else outside of Hunter that really sticks out to you going into next season? Yeah, this is this is Devin's time. Um, he's he's always benefited from having guys ahead of him that were reliable to where Devin wasn't pushed into a starting role too early. Um, he benefited from sitting behind Reggie Floyd for quite some time. Uh, he benefited from sitting behind Mook Reynolds for a little bit. Um, being able to watch these guys has probably made him a better player, and, and one would hope so. But this is his time. He's entering his fourth year in the program. Um, he has seen enough football and had enough mental reps and has matured enough physically to where he should really be able to shine. And I think Rover has is always was always going to be his best position. I know they tried to – there was a thought at first that maybe he could play free safety, and we saw Devin just got too big for that. Then they tried to maybe put him in at whip in that nickel spot. And, again, Devin just doesn't have the the quick twitch ability to be able to cover in the slot. Um, but playing that strong safety role, that rover position, was always going to be Devin's best fit. You've got Reggie Floyd, who was a very solid contributor for for his time in Blacksburg. He's now gone. Devin Hunter fills that void. I think that I think he's going to be a lot better there than we saw in the springs and uh, in the falls when he was coming off the bench, where he was playing in the whip position. Um, and I think he'll be better than he looked uh, than he was playing Rover last year when he was backing up Reggie Floyd. I, I do expect Devin to step up and, and at least be a solid, a solid, consistent guy. I don't think we'll, we'll ever see an explosive playmaking Devin Hunter. I could certainly be wrong with that because Lord knows there's a reason everyone pegged him as a four or five-star talent coming out of high school. But at this point in his career, I think Virginia Tech would certainly take a dependable, reliable player on the back end who is smart and doesn't make mistakes. And I think Devin's pretty smart and pretty intelligent. He's just a guy who has kind of struggled to find his way a bit and struggled to find where he fits. And I think he'll be a lot more comfortable this year playing Rover. Now, for the rest of this secondary, you're pretty set, right? I mean, 
Divine Diablo is still set to go, although we know he's had some injury issues in the past. Your your top three corners are really set. Caleb Farley, Jermaine Waller, Armani Chapman. Those are your top three guys. Now, behind these starters, you have some questions. Um, behind Armani Chapman at cornerback, I have no idea who's going to be the fourth corner. Um, I'm still not really sure who the backup free safety is going to be now that Khalil Ladler is gone. Um, I actually tweeted about this earlier today. I'm not sure Khalil Ladler got enough credit for the plays that he made off the bench. I mean, in that Carolina game, he made two huge, massively huge plays where he basically blew them up on the line of scrimmage, and it really saved the game for Virginia Tech. And I know Khalil had some issues in coverage, but Khalil was always able to make a couple of those plays a game where he was seriously impacting the game positively for his unit. And I don't know who that guy's going to be this year. I mean, Shamari Connor is going to be the starter at WIP, but who's going to be behind him? I mean, there's there's so many questions behind these guys in terms of who can back them up and who can fill in and in a pinch. I don't know that Virginia Tech has that guy on the roster. Um, they certainly don't have the jackknife that or the Swiss Army knife that Khalil Ladler was a guy who could play all three safety positions and in a pinch could probably dabble in at corner. I don't think they have that guy on the roster right now. And if they do, there's no way we would know because we're not seeing them practice. All right, folks. Well, that is going to do it for us. I am Andrew Alex for Mike McDaniel and Ricky Bluey. Thank you for tuning in. If you like what you're listening to, if you like hoogie football, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, leave a little comment, hopefully positive, hopefully positive. We do have a couple fans out there that aren't so nice to us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that was, was that a specific reference yeah, to me, that, Andrew? The, whoever, Ricky Blue is a clown. <laughs> Look, I mean, even if you think I am a clown, tell me I'm a clown. That's fine. I can handle it. I've been called worse. Uh, that, that's totally fine. It's cool. But just keep keep subscribing. Share it with your friends. We're all going to get through this quarantine together. Like us. Follow us on Twitter. We all got our own Twitter accounts. Follow the Okie Hangover. Um, go follow Mike if you want some, some political stuff. Mike's dabbling in it right now. <laughs> Got nothing else to do. <laughs> to varying degrees of success, I think. I think for Mike McDaniel, when it comes to the comes to the political, right, we stuff. have it. We have an in person review. This is my friend Grace. Grace, should people subscribe to the Hokey Hangover podcast? One hundred percent. Well, there you have it, folks. That's going to do it for yeah. us. All right. We will see you next week. Go Hokies. Mm-hmm.